off the ball. That was serious. He was furious. He wanted his net. Just won the World Cup. You won't let me clip a little panel of net. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. This is a beautiful production. It's called A History of the GEA in 100 Objects. It does exactly what it says in the tin and its author, Siobhan Doyle, is in studio with us this morning. Morning, Siobhan. Morning, Thanks Adrian. for coming in. Uh, it's a Crackerville book. It's like uh, eminently pick upable, and you can sort of dip in and out. You don't have to sit down and read it. I would recommend don't sit down and read it in all in one go. What's your favourite item in the book? Uh, I can't say that. Oh, no. So pick your favourite child. The only thing I want to know. It changes on a given day. Um, one of them actually is uh, Doreen McVerku. She was um, a GA, a sports reporter for Radio on the Gael Tukta. And uh, she uh, used to go to matches on her Honda 50 and she used to ring in the results on like pay phone. Um, But one of the objects is a press pass that she had to make herself because the stewards in the grounds wouldn't believe that she, a woman, would be reporting on the matches. Um, So, you know, the thoughts of her sitting down with her with her scissors and her paper and her glue um, trying to make this make-do press pass until her official one came through. Um, so that to me was a really important story to tell about, I suppose, the plight of women um, in when it comes to GA in the media and stuff like that. We've all had to make up fake ID at some point. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've sort of picked out a few things that I thought were really interesting to talk about. So I think we'll just throw a few at you if that's all right. No bother. Uh, the, I've gone for number one as the first one that I've uh, picked. It's the wooden method and people will be able to see it on screen there. Like it's, it looks like the obvious and that was kind of why it jumped out for me. Um, the design that's the Lee McCarthy is based off, basically, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, it's a four-handled uh, wooden vessel that's in the collection, the National Museum of Ireland. Don't have a date on it; it's just generically medieval. Okay. Um, but a lot of the trophies that we see are based on that design. Um, but wooden methers would have been used at like medieval feasts and yeah. uh, passed around so that everyone in the room could get a drink out of the cup. Yeah. So we also get a bit of that in GA as well. We're not supposed to twelve-week yeah. ban. Yeah, um, I wasn't aware of that actually, yeah. or if I was, I'd forgotten about yeah. it. Yeah, but I also want to include that to demonstrate that you know the the GA didn't just start on the 1st November in 1884 it was you know there's lots of objects that represent um, times before that so we have hair hurling balls from 800 years ago we've we've paintings of handball being played in, in Monaghan um, from the 1700s so there's lots of, of things lots of objects around that predate um, the GA in 1884 And Liam McCarthy gifted it six years before his death and it was made by uh, jewellers and Grafton Street That's right There's all these little detail about yeah. this thing that just appears Yeah that everybody goes oh yeah. sure that's that thing it's like yeah. always been there it's a lovely little detail and Leitrim the party poopers wanted the um, drink they wanted the what was they wanted to change so there were there were that point that you made about yeah. the ban they so, were like we need to stop people drinking out yeah. of it and, and they quoted to curb the evils of drinking right. they wanted the GA to bring in cups that um, had a, a, a lid glued to them no way. so that uh, you know it couldn't be passed around so um, needless to say it didn't go through a congress I can't believe Leitrim like it. I mean, it's just because they win nothing. They're like, ah, harsh. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Croke Park map is the next one that I want to have a look at. It will show it up on screen there for people. And again, like, as I said, some of these things are about the item and some of them are about the story behind the item. But a really interesting uh, history of how uh, that ground came into the hands of the GEA. Yeah, like we have a stunning national stadium today of international standard, but 
<clears throat> it came from humble beginnings. You know, a man called Frank Frank Deneen Brazel um, bought the grounds uh, at Jones's Road with his own money because the GA couldn't afford it. He sold his his farm in Ballylanders in County Limerick um, and loaned the GA the money to buy it. Um, an incredibly generous gesture on his part. So I just wanted to make sure that he was represented as well. Um, so that map of Crow Park um, very much tells the story of, you know, humble beginnings. And, and now we have a fantastic stadium as the headquarters of our games. The, um, it went to a vote of central uh, central council as to whether they should buy it or not, and yeah. it was like Scraped overwhelmingly through, through <laughs> by a vote. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I think uh, if we have the picture there, we'll throw it up on screen just to give people a bit of a sense of the area at that time um, around Crow Park and the piece of land, the pocket of of it that the the Deneen guy from Limerick he had bought a section of it is that right and then more of it belonged yeah to exactly and and they gradually started buying more and more when it came up um, but the hill is named after him as well um, it's called Deneen Hill 16 in oh, his right. name but it kind of gets lost because it's just handier to say the hill <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it was important that you know his story is brought through as well that's uh, probably a bit far away. People get a bit of a sense of the blue bit was the Deneen bit and then the rest of it was belonging to the yeah. Jesuits, whatever the case exactly. might have been. It's a lovely, uh, lovely little story around that. Um, the Dublin County Board minutes and uh, the Secretary's report particularly that appears once a year at the minute and everybody gets great reading out of is a great thing to read. But that was one of the other ones and particularly how it pertained to the selection of county colours, yeah, which so is again one of these things that just appears and you just accept it as norm. But yeah, and it's something we mightn't even think about. So yeah. in 1913, the GA... Um, insisted that every team uh, formally pick their county colours. Um, so some teams like Dublin um, got to pick their colours. So that was um, blue and white. And that's what the minutes in the book um, represents. Harry Boland was um, chairman of Dublin GA at the time. So um, signature on the minutes yeah, and all. It's exactly. Incredible. Yeah, so, you know, all these all these different people from history kind of kind of creeping into these objects as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose the whole point is to show that, you know, it might just be, you know, to look at it on paper might just be a mundane um, you know report but when we dig deeper there's so many layers and so many stories to tell You must have been driving up and down the country to get all these stories Yeah It must have been a like, serious my, amount of research My trusty Corolla um, <laughs> brought me down roads and borings I've never been before I'll probably never be again um, but yeah I travelled the 32 counties um, I wanted to make sure that every county was represented and uh, thankfully thankfully it worked but um, yeah it was basically every weekend for about nine months um, but it was great crack. Yeah, a great I can time. imagine. Because you yeah. nearly have to be in person meeting people for these stories to really come yeah, through. It's definitely. One, it's one thing chatting on Zoom or, or the phone or whatever. Yeah. But you have to meet up. And like where possible, um, I went to see the objects, whether they're in museums or private collections or whatever. But like that, when you're talking to people, when you're talking to the owners, um, you know, when you kind of gain a bit of trust, yeah. um, they give you a bit more, bit more information. The line that I loved from that thing was the description of how it all came about. After some discussion, it was decided to adopt as the county colours a light blue jersey with a white shield bearing the city arms, which I presume is the crest. Uh, and the assistant secretary was directed to register same with the Leinster and Central Councils and to procure quot- uh, quotations for the supply of two sets of jerseys. It's yeah. beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Like, as simple as that. So yeah. simple. Go, and there, there it is, yeah. You, you mentioned the chance nature of some of the other counties and how they came about their colours, including Cork. Yeah. Everybody would have been sort of assumed that the blood and bandage and all that stuff was, but it was real chance sort of encounter. Yeah, Cork, Cork wore blue and white for um, many years. And then um, during uh, the revolutionary years um, with um, the 
their offices were ransacked and the jerseys were robbed and they had to borrow them from another team and then it just ended up being uh, red and red yes. and white. The same with many counties and many teams. Um, a lot of it came about from a clash of colours um, in a big match and then one of them had to change and they just stuck with it. Some of it is superstitious as well. They had to right. change and then they won the match so we'll, we'll keep wearing that jersey um, but there's loads of stories like that. Yeah, they're great. Uh, the overage minor players was the other thing from the Dublin <laughs> yeah. board. Match. It was like, geez, something's never changed. Yeah, there was a lot of that back in the day, yeah. Um, one of the other ones I wanted to mention was the poster banning GA events. Uh, so this was the 11th of May, 1916, which in the historical context of everything that had gone two weeks beforehand yeah. is an incredible uh piece to have included. Yeah, so um, posters were a really important way of um, communicating um, warnings and things to do and what not to do mm-hmm. um, and one of the posters in the book is um, one, as I said, from 1916 that was banning GA events um, because, you know, the British authorities saw them as a threat, as a, as an excuse for people to get together and plot other things. It's mad because that's, that's in the thick of it. James Connolly, I think, was shot in the 12th, like the next day, so you're, yeah. you're literally yeah. right in the middle of in it, the, such a yeah, moment, in like. the take of it, yeah, absolutely. And there's loads of context around uh, how how all that came about. And then the other one that I wanted to talk about was the um, John Joe Doyle's goggles. Yeah, and the, there was also uh, another item which was the must have been like it was the first hurling helmet. Certainly yeah. looked like the first one. It was actually a motorcycle helmet. Was it adopted? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, well. um, the goggles first of all were for f- belonged to a man called John Joe Goggles Doyle. He played for Clare um, in the 1910s and for Newmarket and Fergus. But he wore glasses, um, and there was no contact lenses then, no no um, helmets. So um, he made goggles to protect his glasses. They're made out of bicycle spokes. And medical plasters. He just made them himself. It looks like it might be a danger to you. Yeah, yeah. Itself. It looks like yeah. the bicycle spokes yeah. would do uh, much more damage than any hurl to his face. Um, but uh, yeah, very fondly um, nicknamed um, Goggles Doyle after that. And then in the 60s, um, we have um, in Cork, a player for UCC, um, he suffered a head injury and then um, he decided to take matters into his own hands and, and source a helmet but yeah. there were no helmets so um, he used a motorcycle helmet and uh, went on as a sub in a Cork County final you can imagine you know what people were saying on the yeah. sidelines who's this lad coming <laughs> yeah. in but um, you know even though helmets weren't mandatory until until much later you know it was only yeah. kind of recently enough 2009 um, you know there were murmurings of head protection like in the 1960s um, there, yeah because right. yeah, um, it's a very sad story um, Tip were playing um, Kilkenny in, a, in an All-Ireland final in um, can't remember his 60s or 70s but um, one of the Kilkenny players um, Tommy Walsh lost an eye in the All-Ireland final right. um, so kind of that kind of got conversations Things going like. and we see players um, starting to wear helmets so it took something like that for, for the conversations to start That's the uh, yeah. I was very rudely flicking through the book as you were talking Siobhan that's what yeah. I was after that's uh, give people a idea of exactly how uh, what that looked like yeah. is is there a feeling that that sorry which came first the goggles or the goggles the goggles came yeah. first is there a feeling that you're very sure about that <laughs> is there a feeling that that was like the first iteration of a of what ultimately became the helmet or is there yeah. is there yeah. okay? like it took a while um, you know, it was still kind of frowned upon um, to to wear protection and yeah. to wear a helmet. But um, only until very recently, culturally, it became like yeah, you, you know, the hard man. Even yeah. Well, yeah. they brought it into, they brought it in so that no matter what age grade you're playing on, you have to wear yeah. one. I guess, and it's way. bizarre to think, you know, that even the thoughts of going out without a helmet now is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, 
Oh, that's incredible. What's the? Is there something in it that people always talk to you about? What's the? Uh, is there a standout thing that people? Um, like John Tree Seven's line is getting a lot oh, yeah, of, okay. of um, lot of lot of talk. Um, you know, because it's one we kind of all identify with. Uh, it's pretty much iconic. It's very vis- visibly, um, visibly iconic. Um, John Tree Seven, a famous um, Limerick supporter, used to go to all the matches and spread the word of God um, by having a big sign with with the verse. Mm-hmm. On it, but that that actually came from uh, 1987 when he was watching Pat Cash getting the trophy at Wimbledon, and he spotted someone with a similar sign in the background. He said, "I'm going to do that." Okay, yeah. right, and he got away with it for years. He sure did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good word it that way. It'd be interesting to see if you were to introduce that thing into Crow Park now. Yeah, some sort of a statement. Well, there was a story of him getting stopped um, at a pretty big match, a quarter final or a semi final, a few years ago. Um, a steward stopped him and said, "No, you can't come in," and uh, he didn't go into the match. He he walked off and went home and then um, the GA had to come out or, or Crow Park had to come out uh, the following week and said no you're more than welcome to come in yeah. but I think he was the exception <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they weren't encouraging funny. everyone to bring in extremely large um, placards yeah of course <laughs> um, first thing when you landed in I was like oh I have a couple of things at home I think it would be perfect yeah. so I presume everybody's saying to you I have stuff that you know so what's next What's next? Um, I'd, I'd love to expand it to other sports um, because Ireland has an incredibly rich sporting history. Um, and as a historian, I kind of worry about all the stuff that's locked away in people's attics yes. and um, in museum stores and stuff like that. So um, it's definitely only, only the start of something. OK, well, it's an absolute cracker production. It's out in perfect time for Christmas. So uh-huh. I highly recommend if you're a GEA fan at all, uh, it's definitely the sort of thing you want for uh, the GEA fan in your life that you can dip in and have a bit of a read. It's some great information and lovely stories. Siobhan, thanks a million for coming thanks in. Thanks Let's look at the next project. Cheers. Chat to you down the line. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.